In this particular podcast, I wanted to emphasize once again what you need to do for the upcoming papers. As you know, I changed the due date on your individual paper uh, to June 19th by 10 p.m. I felt like uh, you needed that extra time, so I hope you appreciate that opportunity um, and uh, take advantage of it. So what are you supposed to do for these papers? I have sent you two model examples of basically what these papers should consist of, okay? So what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to choose any business-related topic that you probably did uh, your oral presentation on, or you could uh, use a topic from the the business uh, topics that I sent you early on in this session. So as long as you choose a business-related topic for the paper, you should be fine. Now, how should you organize these papers? First and foremost, the paper should be five complete pages, okay? Uh, I want five complete pages. That means content. Uh, The works cited page, which is required, would be your sixth page, okay? So make sure that you review the library session uh, that we did early on in this session. Um, Review what Chip had to say about the MLA format, okay? Remember, he mentioned Purdue OWL, okay, which can be accessed um, under the library um, section on online. So he showed you how to go to my particular course and look up uh, not just the MLA information, but also research databases uh, that you can go to and search uh, for relevant secondary sources. Now, for the paper, you need two sources. You need sources from legitimate uh, publications. My recommendation is that you uh, go to the periodicals. Uh, And when I say periodicals, I mean magazines, uh, newspapers. Uh, You can also go to journals, uh, depending on your topic. Now, if you're topic is just recently in the news, you may want to go to -to up-to-date sources like newspapers, um, particularly like the ones that I have been sending you um, since this semester started. So what types of sources? Periodical sources, okay? And you need to incorporate direct quotes from each of those sources somewhere in the body of your paper. So how is the paper organized? I told you it's going to be five pages at least. You can give me uh, more pages if you wish, but give me at least five complete pages, okay? You need a strong introductory paragraph, okay? In that introduction is where you will bring in background information on your particular topic, and depending on what approach you take in the paper will determine exactly how you set that introductory paragraph up. 
Now, keep in mind, when I say paragraph, I'm talking about five sentences or more. Do not give me short paragraphs in this paper. So please give me at at least five sentences or more in a typical paragraph. So in your introduction, say if you're going to uh, approach a topic through an argumentative stance, okay? Say if you're going to talk about Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act and you want to do an argumentative paper, then, as I said earlier, you need not two, but three sources. And just like for the uh, original uh, to argue oral presentation, those three sources will be comprised of two sources that back up your stance and one source that represents the opposition. Okay, so if you're going to do your paper based on argument, you need to incorporate three sources, direct quotes from three sources somewhere in the body of your paper. Otherwise, if you're going to set your paper up based on to inform or to persuade, then you only need two sources, sources that come from periodicals, books, or journals, okay? So in the introduction, if you're going to, say, talk about Obamacare and you're going to argue a particular stance, then before the last sentence in the introduction, which is your thesis statement, you need to say something in general about the Affordable Care Act. When was it implemented? Okay. Why was it implemented? Just give brief background information on the history of the law itself. And then the last sentence will be your thesis statement. And you may use the first-person narrative if you so choose. I, the use of I. And here's an example of a thesis statement that you could incorporate in an argumentative paper. The example, my example is this. I feel that the Affordable Care Act should stay in place because it helps ensure millions of people, comma, it's a boost to the American economy, comma, and it helps keep our nation healthier, period. Okay, now, if you look at my thesis statement, you'll see that I have three individual points. And in the body of my paper, what will I do? I will develop each of those points in at least one paragraph. And I will follow the order of those points. So, for example, my first point in the thesis statement was that the Affordable Care Act should stay in place or stay intact because it ensures a lot of people, millions of people. Well, in the very first paragraph of the paper's body, guess what I'm going to talk about? I'm going to talk about that first point, okay? And I will bring in examples, details, and quotes if they apply to help support that particular point. And then the second paragraph in the body of my paper will back up the second point in my thesis statement. And the third point will be backed up in a third paragraph in the body of the paper. 
Okay, so make sure that whatever your thesis statement is, that is organized with at least two, maybe three major points that can be broken down for discussion in the body of the paper. Okay, and I think I mentioned this earlier. Do not give me back-to-back -back quotes with uh, little to no observations or commentary from you. This paper is based on your opinion, your point of view. Don't let your secondary uh, quotes dominate the paper. So on that note, let me make this perfectly clear. Do not dominate your paper with direct quotes, okay? especially back-to-back -back quotes. Only bring in quotations from your sources that help support what you have to say, okay? So keep in mind that the thesis statement that you come up with is based on your opinion, your thoughts. And in the body of the paper, you're going to just develop your particular points with supporting comments, examples, and quotes when they apply, okay? So what am I going to do if I do an argumentative paper on Obamacare? Uh, I'm going to find at least two sources that support at least one of my points, okay? So you may not be able to find sources to back up every last one of the points in your thesis statement, but make sure you find at least two sources for the argumentative paper, two sources that back up at least one of your points, okay? At least. And then bring in an opposition quote to at least one of your points. And you will bring those direct quotes somewhere in the body of your paper, okay? So, what are you doing? In the introduction, you'll give us an overview or a background on your particular topic. And it doesn't have to just be an argumentative topic. It could be uh, your to-inform um, topic. It could be your to-persuade topic. Just keep in mind that in the introductory paragraph, you're introducing your reader to general information about your topic. And then you'll go from general to specific meaning that you'll go from uh, doing a general overview to a specific thesis statement, okay? Uh, look at your introduction as kind of like an inverted pyramid, okay? So you're going from general to specific. Background information to a concrete one-sentence thesis statement, okay? And then in the body of the paper, you'll devote at least one paragraph to each of your thesis statement points and make sure that you're organized and follow the order of the points in your thesis statement as you develop the body of the paper. And then your concluding paragraph, the last paragraph, you're wrapping it up. And this is how you should do it. Very first part of your conclusion should be a restatement of the thesis statement. You could repeat word for word the original thesis statement that was in your introduction. But then for the rest of the concluding paragraph, this is what I want you to do. And I think I talked about this in my earlier podcast. You need to, number one, 
talk about what you may have gained from doing this particular paper. Number two, you can talk about uh, what personal connections you may have to the business topic, okay? So if you're writing on Obamacare and you know um, of a patient that has benefited from Obamacare, then briefly mention that in the conclusion, okay? So in the concluding paragraph, you're wrapping it up by leaving your reader with something to think about, okay? You can be creative. You can bring in personal experiences. Talk in general about what you may have learned from doing the research paper on that particular topic. You can update us on what is going on with that particular topic now. So if you didn't have a chance to bring in new information in the body of the paper, in the conclusion, you can talk about uh, the most updated information on your topic. Again, Affordable Care Act. If I was writing a paper on it, in my conclusion, I would mention in general and very briefly what is going on with the Supreme Court that is currently in front of the Supreme Court. And there's a possibility that the Supreme Court, with its six conservative justices, could strike it down, leaving millions without the Affordable Care Act, okay? Affordable insurance, health insurance. So that is the current status of Obamacare right now. It's before a very conservative U.S. Supreme Court, and it's in danger of getting stricken, okay? So in your conclusion, I'll re recap what I want you to do. Number one, restate your thesis statement. Number two, talk in general about what you may have gained from doing this research. Number three, make any personal connections uh, between yourself and your own experiences and the business topic of choice. And then, you know, wrap it up by updating any information on your particular topic. What is going on currently with your topic? Uh, particularly if you didn't get a chance to talk about certain things in the body of the paper. Okay, so in the concluding paragraph, that's where you wrap it up. Okay? Leave your reader with something to think about. So, in summary, your individual research paper has to be at least five pages in length. Has to be typed. Okay? Should follow the MLA format that's outlined for you in Purdue Owl. Okay? You need to go by the eighth edition of MLA. And if you follow the instructions that were given to you by uh, Chip Larkin, you'll see visual examples of how a paper should be formally set up according to MLA. So make sure you follow the instructions on the Purdue Owl site. Okay? It tells you exactly how you should set up a paper a formal research paper, according to MLA 8th edition. Okay? Number two, you need to have two sources if you're going to do your paper 
based on to inform or to persuade. Three sources are required if you're going to do an argumentative paper, okay? Quotes. You need to bring in direct quotes from each of the required sources, okay? And keep this in mind. I do not want any block quotations in this paper, meaning a quote that is four lines or more. If you look up the definition of block quotation, you'll see that it is any quote that's four lines or more. And when you insert it in the body of your paper, you have to set it off 10 spaces in to the point where format-wise it looks like a block on the page, which I don't need to tell you takes up too much spacing. So it is a requirement that if you utilize any long quotes, four lines or more, you have to set it off as a block quotation. Okay? That is unacceptable in a paper this short. So I do not want any long quotations in this paper. So make sure that your direct quotes fall within the parameters of what is required for this research. Okay? So when you write this paper, make sure that organizationally you have a strong introduction which gives a you know, basic overview or background on your topic in the very beginning of that paragraph. And then the last sentence should be a clear-cut thesis statement. I should be able to look at your thesis statement and tell point by point what you're going to discuss in the body of the paper. Okay, You may use first-person narrative, meaning you may use I. Otherwise, you may just use the third-person narrative. But whatever narrative voice you choose, make sure that you're consistent with it. Okay? Meaning, if you start out with I, do not switch back and forth between I and you. Okay? Some of you have a habit of doing that. Okay? I've already seen it in uh, some of the papers I've already read. So don't shift back and forth between narrative voices. If you start out using I, stick with I throughout the paper. No shifts between I and you or we, okay? I is first person. You is second person. We, which is the objective case, is third person. So whatever narrative voice you start out with, you need to be consistent throughout the paper. Some other grammatical or mechanical things that you should know. Do not, do not riddle your paper with major grammatical errors like subject-verb disagreement, comma splices, fused or run-on sentences, or sentence fragments. I told all of you to review the handbook, the grammar handbook, in the back of your text, okay? And I want you to focus on those particular errors, okay? What is a sentence fragment? 
is when the sentence is not complete. Sometimes you can have a subject and a verb and the sentence still not make sense. Why is that? Because in some cases, particularly if you don't proofread well enough or you rush writing your papers, you'll probably leave a word or two out of a sentence. And if you leave out a, a particular word or use the wrong word in a particular sentence, that sentence will not make sense. Therefore, it will be considered a fragment. Okay? So try to avoid sentence fragments. Comma splices are when you connect two sentences or more with a comma. Never ever put a comma between two sentences or independent clauses. That means sentences that can stand alone. Okay? So never ever utilize a comma to connect two complete sentences. Okay? How would you correct that? You would bring in either a semicolon, a conjunction, or just put a period. But never ever connect two complete sentences with just a comma. Okay? And vice versa. A fused or a run-on sentence is when you have two or more sentences just running together with nothing between them. That is a no-no. The same way you would correct a comma splice is the same way you would correct uh, a fused or run-on sentence. Utilize either a semicolon, a conjunction, or a period. But never ever string sentences together with nothing between them. Okay? That's called fused or run-on. Okay? That's a major grammatical error in a paper. And subject-verb disagreement. Okay? Make sure that your um, subject and your verb agree. If your subject is plural, okay, then your, your verb needs to connect with that. Um, in other words, if you have a plural subject like we, W-E, you wouldn't use the verb is, okay? You would use are, A-R-E, okay? Because we is plural, okay? Now, if you have a singular subject, then your verb more than likely will have an S, okay? The boy is going to the store. The boy being singular. Is would agree with the subject, okay? Simple rule for subject-verb agreement. If your subject has an S or if it's plural, then the verb more than likely will not have an S and vice versa, okay? If your subject is singular, then more than likely the verb will have an S, okay? Simple rule, okay? Probably a little too simple, but that's an easy way to remember what we mean when we say subject-verb agreement. And again, this is discussed in the back of your books, okay? You would never use we is, okay? There's certain um, subjects that you would not think are plural. And sometimes, even in formal writing, people make certain mistakes when it comes down to these certain subjects. Data or data, okay, D-A-T-A, -A, believe it or not, is plural. 
And although in a lot of cases I see the wrong use of the verb, the actual correct verb agreement is to use A-R-E. You should say the data are, not is, okay? Because data is plural. The singular version of data is datum, D-A-T-U-M. That's a word that you rarely see. So I see a lot of cases where people uh, mistakenly utilize is in reference to the plural version of data or datum. Okay, So data is plural. Media, M-E-D-I-A, is the plural form of medium. So there's certain words that are plural and they should uh, be uh, directly, um, accordingly um, to, the, to the verb. They should be connected to the right verb. So make sure that before you utilize these words that you're utilizing the right verbs, okay? T-O versus T-O-O. What is the difference? Well, I also told you to look at your parts of speech. And there's seven major parts of speech. You have your nouns, your verbs, your adjectives, your adverbs, pronoun, conjunction, okay? Adjective, okay? Know what your parts of speech are because once you know the parts of speech, it, you'll be less likely to commit a lot of the errors that I just talked about, okay? You need to know what every word is doing in a sentence, okay? So, for example, you need to know the correct form of T-O versus T-O-O, okay? And how would you know that? Well, you would know the parts of speech. Knowing the parts of speech would help you know the difference. Uh, T-O, in many cases, is a preposition, okay? Normally, you'll find it in a prepositional phrase. The boy went to class, okay? In that version of a sentence, the T-O would be appropriate. T-O is a preposition. T-O-O is an adverb. Basic definition of the adverb is it shows a condition or a state of being. Um, it answers questions, okay? And so, for example, if in a sentence you say the stove is too hot, you would utilize T-O-O, not T-O. T-O-O is an adverb. How hot was the stove? It was too hot. And normally adverbs uh, end in L-Y. Okay, the boy quickly ran the cl class. Uh, quickly modifies the verb, ran. And note that it ends in L-Y. Quickly is an adverb. 
Words like however, therefore, moreover, they are adverbs, but they're conjunctive adverbs, okay? So there are different forms of the adverb, but the basic definition is a word that basically answers questions, okay? How hot was the stove? It was too hot. How did the boy run to class? Very quickly, okay? Adverbs answers questions, okay? So a noun is a person, place, a thing. A verb shows action or state of being. Preposition shows connections and sentence elements, okay? I gave you one example. The boy went to class. The boy went to the store. To the store, okay? So with a preposition, you'll normally have a prepositional phrase. To the store. To being the preposition, T-O. The is an article, which is one of the lesser forms of the parts of speech. And store is the object of the preposition, okay, which is a noun as far as part of speech. So whenever you see a preposition, you're going to see a noun as the object of the preposition and a prepositional phrase, okay? Conjunctions, they link sentence elements. And, but, for, nor, yet, so. Those are coordinating conjunctions. And then you have subordinating conjunctions, okay? Adjectives describe nouns, okay? The angry man ran down the student, okay? How do we know that this man was angry, okay? Well, the man is a noun. Angry is the adjective because it's describing him, okay? So know the difference. An adjective describes a noun, always. An adverb modifies a verb, okay? So remember, an adjective describes a noun, okay? Or a person, place, a thing. And then, of course, you have um, pronouns. Pronouns are just a renaming of a noun. She, it, we, you, those are pronouns. T-H-E-I-R is a pronoun. It's a possessive plural pronoun. And again, this is where you need to know parts of speech so that you don't make mistakes in your formal paper. Because as I told you, sometimes you can commit a fragment when you leave out a certain word or you use the wrong word. And in some cases, students do not utilize the correct form of T-H-E-I-R versus T-H-E-R-E. Know the difference, okay? T-H-E-I-R is a pronoun, and it should be utilized that way. But if you utilize the word T-H-E-R-E, then you're utilizing what we call an adverb, okay? I went over there. Where did I go? Over there, T-H-E-R-E. 
uh, versus their stove blew up, okay? Their, T-H-E-I-R, okay? That's a possessive plural pronoun, okay? Versus the adverb, I went over there, T-H-E-R-E, okay? So those are just a few examples of what I mean when I say you need to know your parts of speech. Know how to identify nouns, verbs, adjectives, pronouns, prepositions, okay, conjunctions, okay. Uh, those are the things you need to know. And of course, adverbs. Seven major parts of speech, okay. And I mentioned early on, you do have articles. An article is T-H-E, okay, or A, or A-N. Those are what you call articles. That's a minor form of a part of speech, okay? And normally they start sentences. The boy went to the store. T-H-E is an article. So even that word is considered a part of speech, but it's not one of the major seven parts of speech, but it is a part of speech, okay? And then you have interjections, okay, which is another minor part of speech. And when you see an interjection, you'll see an exclamation point. Whenever you see an expression of emotion or excitement, on the page, then you're looking at the use of an exclamation point. And of course, that whole word with the exclamation point will be called an interjection. Please review your parts of speech in the back of your books. Also look at the grammar handbook and focus on what fragments are, comma splices, fused or run-on sentences, and what subject-verb disagreement errors are. Because I do not want you to have those errors in the final drafts of your papers. Okay? So make sure that when you're writing these papers, you go by three things that I will be grading you on. Content. Content meaning you have something to say, and you say it effectively, okay? Grammar. Is your paper grammatically correct? Is it basically free of mechanical errors, okay? And then organization. Did you follow instructions in terms of organizing your paper? Did you have a strong introduction? Did you back up each of your thesis points. Did you have a thesis? Okay, first and foremost. Did you have a thesis statement that your reader could follow? And did you back up the points in your thesis statement in the body of the paper? Did you have a strong concluding paragraph that included the elements and addressed the questions and the things that I told you to address in the concluding paragraph? Okay. Did you restate your thesis statement? Did you talk about what you gained from doing the research? Did you make 
any connections between yourself and the topic? Did you update us on what is currently going on with the business-related topic? All of that should have been in the conclusion. So three things, organization, content, grammar. That will be the basis on which I grade these papers. So make sure that you follow my instructions when it comes down to these three major components. Okay, for grammar, make sure you look at the major grammatical errors and try to avoid them. For content, make sure that you bring in your own voice. Okay, don't dominate the paper with back-to-back -back quotes with very little uh, commentary from you. Okay, this paper is based on your opinion, your reflection, your thoughts. Okay, and make sure that you bring in the required uh, sources. Direct quotes from each of the required sources. Okay, if your paper is based on to persuade or to inform, then you only need to include two sources, direct quotes from those sources. If your paper is argumentative, then you need three. You need to bring in at least three direct quotes that support one or more of the points in your thesis statement. And then, of course, the third source will represent the opposition. And you'll bring in a quote from the opposition, but not to weaken your side of the argument, but only to strengthen it. So you'll bring in a quote from the opposition only to refute what that particular person is saying. Okay, You can say something along the lines of, well, according to Dr. So-and-so, who disagrees with my point of view, I have to respectfully uh, disagree. I have to uh, say that he or she is wrong and this is why. So it's like a debate, but in written form. So you're only bringing in an opposition quote to refute it and to strengthen your side of the argument. Okay? Don't argue both sides of the topic equally because you will uh, weaken what the argumentative paper is all about. Remember the differences between persuasive and argumentative. A persuasive paper is based on only your side of the argument. You don't have to bring in an opposition quote. But for the argument, both sides need to be represented somewhere in the body of the paper. But you're going to argue just one side. But you need to bring in at least one opposition quote in an argumentative paper. So in general, you're going to have papers that require two, maybe three sources, depending on the format that you use, okay? And another thing, documentation. Make sure that when you directly quote something, you utilize parenthetical documentation. Again, all of this is outlined in Purdue Owl, okay? In the MLA handbook, which is on the Purdue Owl site, tells you exactly how you need to set up your parenthetical references, as well as how to set up your works cited 
page, okay? Keep this in mind, and I'm going to simplify the rules for you. If you bring in a quotation from a source that has page numbers, this is how I want you to set it up. Before the quotation, if you say something along the lines of according to, say if you use a quote from one of my articles published in 2010 in the CLA Journal, and the quote comes from page 10, how would you document a quotation from that page? Well, if you said according to Dr. Watson, and you directly quoted me, okay, from a source that has page numbers, the quote comes from page 10, but you said according to Dr. Watson before the quote, then what would you put in the parentheses? Well, after the direct quote, in the parentheses, since you already mentioned my name before the quotation, then in the parentheses, all you would have to do is put the number 10. Close the parentheses, put the period at the end. Now, if you did not mention my name or the name of the author prior to the direct quote, then in my case, you would put in the parentheses, last name Watson, no comma, and the number 10. Okay? So keep this in mind. If your source or sources have page numbers, those are the rules you need to follow. If the author is mentioned in what we call the signal phrase, meaning the phrase right before the quote, if you mention the author's name, then in the parentheses after the direct quote, you don't have to repeat that author's name. Just put the page number or numbers from where the quotation came from, okay? And vice versa, okay? If you um, mention the name of the author, okay, just put the page numbers. If you do mention the author, then uh, you, you know, put the page number only. If you uh, don't mention the author, you put just uh, the, the last name of the author and the number or numbers from where that quote came from, okay? Now, if your source has no page numbers, or if it's what we call an electronic source, this is how I want you to document it. Whether you mention the author's name before the quotation or not, if that quote is coming from a source that has no page numbers, then in the parentheses, you will consistently put last name of the author and the four-digit year of publication, and then close the parentheses. So if you ran across a version of my article that was electronic, had no page numbers, but it was published in the year 2010, well then how would you parenthetically document quotes from that source? Since it has no page numbers, in the parentheses you would put Watson and then the four-digit year that the article was published in. 2010. So it would be Watson 
2010. Close the parentheses. And you would do that whether you mention my name before the quote or not, because the source has no page numbers. So consistently always put last name, four-digit year of publication in the parentheses. Whenever you're utilizing sources that have no page numbers, keep that in mind. So when we say parenthetical documentation, that's what we're talking about. Another way of saying it is in-text citations. You must put in parentheses the documentation material. Because if you do not utilize parenthetical documentation after each of your direct quotes, then you can be charged with plagiarism. So make sure that you review the MLA rules, okay, which is listed under my course site. Okay? Look on Purdue Isle. They give you visual examples and information about how to set up parenthetical documentation. And then you also need to look at the Works Cited page and how that is set up. And make sure that you follow instructions for how to set up the last page of your paper, which should be the Works Cited page. And keep in mind, the Works Cited page is going to be the sixth page if you're going to give me five pages of content, okay? So give me at least five pages of content with the Works Cited page being the sixth page, okay? Now, if you want to give me a six or seven page paper, that's fine. But you need to give me at least five complete pages of content with the Works Cited page as the resource page, okay? A person should be able to get all of the detailed information about your sources that were utilized in the paper. All of that information should be on the Works Cited page, okay? Not Works Consulted, but Works Cited, okay? So, in a nutshell, that's what you need to do when writing these papers, okay? Number one, as you're writing these papers, you need to proofread, okay? Make sure that while you're proofreading these papers that you follow instructions. Clean up major grammatical errors. Make sure that you uh, have good organization, have a strong thesis statement of two, maybe three points. Make sure that in the introduction, you make it clear what the background on your topic is, but also you might want to briefly mention what type of paper you're writing. Is it a two-informed paper? If so, say that. If it's a two-persuade paper, say that. Make it clear in the first paragraph, the introduction, what kind of paper you're writing. And then make sure that for each thesis statement point, you have at least one paragraph. Remember, your paragraph should be five or more sentences. I don't mind long paragraphs. I do mind short paragraphs. 
So make sure that your paragraphs are fully developed. Okay, so in the introduction, you go from general to specific. Specific meaning you have a thesis statement, a clear-cut thesis statement that has two or three points. Then make sure in the body of the paper you support with at least one paragraph each of the points in that thesis statement. And then the conclusion, which I already told you what needs to be included in that last paragraph. Okay? Major grammatical errors. Make sure you avoid sentence fragments, comma splices, fused or run-on sentences, subject-verb disagreement. That's a no-no. Those are no-nos. Try to avoid those types of errors. I know your papers are not going to be totally perfect, okay? But try to avoid at least those types of errors. Make sure you don't have long quotations. Uh, no long quote should be in this paper. That means a quote of four lines or more. Make sure that all of your direct quotes are properly documented meaning you bring in parenthetical documentation, parenthetical references. And I already told you the difference between printed sources and sources that don't have page numbers. That will determine the format of your parenthetical documentation. Okay, If you mention the author's name before the direct quote, then you don't have to put the author's name in the parentheses if that source has page numbers, all you would need to do is put the page or pages in the parenthetical reference. Okay. If you do not mention the author's name before the direct quote, then put last name, page number. If the source has no page numbers, then you will consistently, in the parentheses, put last name, four-digit year of publication. And that's simplifying the original MLA rules. It's a little more complicated than that for sources that don't have page numbers. But I simplified the rules for you when it comes down to electronic sources. So make sure that your papers are formatted correctly according to MLA. Make sure that you have proofread those papers. Make sure that your content uh, is relevant. Make sure that the paper is based mainly on your thoughts and not strung together quotations from different sources. You only bring in direct quotes to strengthen what you have to say. No back-to-back -back quotes. I want your thoughts, your opinion on those pages, okay? All right, I think that's enough said. I'll repeat the due date. The new due date is June 19th, okay? Which ironically is now an official national holiday, okay? So the due date is Juneteenth at 10 p.m. Make use of the extra time that I have given you because these papers were originally due on June 10th. So I've given you more than a week to get these papers right. The time has pretty much passed 
for me reviewing any rough drafts, okay? I gave you, I think, enough time to get me early drafts if you wanted me to look at them. Uh, to this point, I only have two uh, people that have turned in rough drafts. Now it is too late to turn in any rough drafts. So what you need to do is if you have questions or concerns, email me. And I won't promise it now, but if I do have the time, I will review anything that you send me, if I have the time. But email me first and let me know what you're thinking. Okay? All right. I think that's enough for right now. Do the best job possible on these papers, particularly since you, you had this extra time. And I'll just reiterate, for this week, which we're, we're coming to the end of this session, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to be wrapping up a lot of things. You're supposed to pretty much finish up your forms. Uh, week seven forms should be finished uh, by Thursday night. But also uh, your last form um, should be completed early next week. Okay, And of course, uh, chapter 16 uh, homework will be the last of your homework. Make sure that you get that in by the designated due date and time. Okay, uh, As you wrap things up, keep this in mind. You're not only going to be uh, turning in papers this week, but you're also going to be doing your two persuade presentations, okay? Now, those will be in the form of oral presentations. So Thursday night, I will do what I did for the two inform presentations. I will set up a Zoom meeting, and each of you will present your materials. The two argue presentations, since we're running out of time, and I already sent an email on this, I will not require that you do an oral presentation based on to argue, okay? Instead, all you'll need to do is, and I've already sent you the due date for this, all you need to do is just send me the materials that were originally due. Outline, PowerPoint, works cited page, okay? The only difference is that you'll not be set up for an oral presentation, but at least send me to argue materials, okay, which were originally due, okay? But there will be no oral presentations based on the argumentative approach, okay? So all you're going to be doing is finishing up the two persuade presentations this week and working on your argumentative materials for that third presentation, okay? Your next and last major presentation will be the team project presentation. And of course, that will be on the last day of class, okay? So everybody by now should have had at least one meeting to decide on how they're going to uh, approach 
the chosen business topic. Okay. And on the night, the last night of presentations, um, I will set up the Zoom meeting for each team to present their materials. Okay. And everybody will get the same grade. So the last individual oral presentation is the to persuade presentation coming up, of course, on Thursday, um, June 17th. Okay. If I, for whatever reason, cannot get through all of the to persuade presentations this week, I'll leave those for the last day of class. So if we don't mop up all the to persuade presentations on June 17th, we'll definitely get it done on the last day of class, along with the team presentations, okay? Which shouldn't take that long. All right, that's enough. I'll talk to all of you later and make sure that if you have any questions or concerns, give me a call or email me. Good night.